Let's go to John chapter 16. Wednesday night was very good. For those of you that were not here Wednesday night, it was extremely good. Some good handles for what we talked about last Sunday. And so we're going to go a little more today, uh, talking about how when God gives you a dream, God has to govern it in order for it to manifest. So let's go to John chapter 16. Let's read from verse 12. John 16 verse 12. Jesus is speaking to his disciples whom he had been with up to this point almost three years. He says, I still have many things. Say many things. <clears throat> to say to you. Say, but you cannot bear them on. Blessings, it's good to see you. Welcome back. Welcome back. Blessings, blessing, blessing, blessing. Amen. Amen. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Many things. Can you imagine that? Jesus was with this man. I had many more things he could tell them, but he said for their sakes, he would not tell them because they could not bear it. So I just wonder this morning, I wonder if perhaps per adventure our disposition does not allow us to see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. In other words, <clears throat> for this man, Jesus had some things he could give to them, he could say to them. But he said, you cannot bear it. You don't have the bandwidth to bear what I'm about to say to you. You don't have the capacity to receive, even though the things will be a benefit to you, but you don't have the capacity for them. Now, how could Jesus say this with authority? We can go back to John chapter 4. Remember the meeting, Jesus meeting the woman at the Samaritan well? In fact, that was such a setup. Jesus said in John chapter 4, I must needs go through Samaria. Amen? Are you guys following me? Yeah. And on purpose sent his disciples away to go buy food. Because he recognized that the encounter he was about to have, those men were not able to bear it. He was about to get off greed. He was about to get off script, if you will. He was about to encounter a Samaritan woman and he knew his Jewish disciples had a problem with that. So he conveniently said, oh, you guys go buy food, go buy grocery. <laughs> and while you guys are gone, I take care of my business. Because you guys, you have no, you, you cannot, you, you wonder, why in the world is he talking to a woman, number one, number two, a Samaritan at that. And with that, account, kind, of, with that kind of thinking, they will interfere with divine purpose. So he just simply excused them. I pray this morning that God will not set us aside or excuse us because we're not able, we don't have the capacity to receive divine instruction. It might give you some good things to play with, a nice car, a nice house, something to distract you, just get you busy doing something else. Totally, completely. Like the disciples, go buy some bread. And in the meantime, it's focused on some Samaritan woman. Let's, read, let's go back to John chapter 4. I'll come to John 16 in a minute. John chapter 4. Hallelujah. Get your dance, dancing shoes on now. 
John chapter 4. Uh, verse 27. John 4, 27. And at this point, now this after the encounter, he talked to the woman. His disciples came and they marveled. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. That he talked with a woman. So what's the problem talking to a woman? In their limited capacity, they just could not see that. So they marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet none, no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? I'm saying that to support Jesus' claim of John chapter 16. That I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot be, if you cannot bear me talking to a woman. If your theology does not allow me to talk to a Samaritan. If I have to begin to unveil to you the riches of God's grace that's yet to come, you will definitely not understand it. So I will not waste my time talking to you about it because I know you don't have the capacity. And we know that for a fact. Because these guys from miracle after miracle after miracle that Jesus did in their presence. Yet, whenever it was time for me to do any more miracle, like the multiplication of the loaves, they almost stopped him and said, it's not possible. Have not learned from the previous ones. Amen? Amen? So Jesus said, I have many more things to say to you, but you're not able to bear them. But thank God he didn't leave them hanging. He now goes on to say in verse 13, John chapter 16, verse 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. Amen? Amen? Now, last week we went to the passage in Numbers chapter 9. Uh, let's go there, Numbers chapter 9. And we tried to establish how God spoke to Israel in the wilderness as they encamped around the tabernacle. And we said that there, there was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night that rested upon the tabernacle as the Israelites camped round about it. So as long as it was daytime or if they were awake, obviously when they see the pillar lift, they know that God was moving and they will begin to move with him. So let's go to, let's go to the passage, Numbers chapter 9, let's start from verse 16. So it was always... The cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Whenever the cloud was taken up from the above the tabernacle, after that the children of Israel would journey. And in the place where the cloud settled, there the children of Israel would pitch their tents. Folks, I'm telling you, don't, don't, just hold on there. We are living in a day and time when we need to live in the presence. We are living in a day and time when we need to live in the presence, in the presence, in the presence of God. Yeah. It is so critical 
that we cannot be guided by the whims of our imagination or human wisdom. It is absolutely going to get more and more intensely critical that you and I become men and women of the spirit. Whereby the spirit and his guidance will mean the difference between life and death. So true. Those days are coming upon us. Where you should not take your salvation so casually. You should not be born again as a destination. Rather, as a means to an end, God has something big, something great, something absolutely marvelous in store. That's what Paul said. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men the things that God has prepared, past tense, for them that love him. Because what we see here in the template, in the pattern, these guys didn't journey unless God moved. Yeah. And they didn't stop unless God stopped. It, it was all totally initiated by God. That's why as they journeyed, if they came to a place where the water, in the Exodus 25 for instance, where the water was bitter, Mara. And the character of God, he had a solution. Why? He led them there. So if he led them to a place of bitterness, he can get them out of it. But if you go there on your own, you are on your own. Huge. Move on. Let's read on. And at the command of the Lord, the children of Israel will join in. And at the command of the Lord, they will come. As long as the cloud stayed above the tabernacle, they remained in camp. Go on. Even when the cloud continued long, many days above the tabernacle, the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not join him. So it was when the cloud was above the tabernacle, a few days, according to the command of the Lord, they would remain in camp. And according to the command of the Lord, they would journey. Next verse. So it was when the cloud remained only from evening to morning. When the cloud was taken up in the morning, then they would journey. Whether by day or by night, whether the cloud was taken up, they would journey. Is there another verse? Okay. Whether it was two days, a month, or a year, that the cloud remained above the tabernacle, that children of Israel will remain encamped and not join it. But when it was taken up, they would join it. I cannot emphasize enough how much interaction the Holy Spirit wants and desires with each one of us. These guys, whether it was two days, one month, a week or a year, they did not move unless God moved. Now, it begs the question, if God was to move when they were asleep, how would they know? How would they know? 
because they were encamped around the tabernacle, but they did not stay up 24 hours. I'm leading somewhere. And we've read that sometimes it'll be two days, a week, a month, a year. It was unpredictable when God moved. They had no advance notice. There was no calendar. There was nothing to tell them it will move tomorrow. It will be next week. It will be next. No, there was no preparation. No advance notice. And as such, I am almost certain that the cloud moved sometimes when they were asleep. How would they have known? Numbers chapter 10. Numbers chapter 10. Numbers 10. Verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Make two silver trumpets for yourself. You shall make them of hammered work. You shall use them for what? Number 1. For the calling of the congregation. And for the directing of the movement of the camps. Did you see that? You can read a lot more to this, but I'm, not, I'm just going to stop there so I can move on to other things. But Numbers chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, actually, gives us God's plan for alerting the Israelites about the movement of the camps. So apart from the fact that the cloud will lift up, there are two silver trumpets that will still be blown. Silver is the stone or the mineral of redemption. It just could not be any trumpet. It had to be two silver trumpets. Silver speaking to us of redemption. These guys can only move within this camp because they have been typically redeemed. They were redeemed out of Egypt and on their way to their promised land. So these trumpets were for two purposes. Number one, for the calling of the congregation. What does that mean? When they blow this trumpet, they blew it in a particular way and the congregation will know, oh, we have a meeting. It's time to go to church. That's what that was. The meeting of the congregation. Once that trumpet blows in a particular way, everybody in the camp will hear it and they will know what it meant. For the congregation, they know it's time to assemble. It's time to congregate. But there was a second purpose. And that second purpose was to help them to understand it's time to move on. The camp is advancing. The camp is moving. These trumpets were to be blown only by the priests who had been trained. Because when you read the other, passage, the other verses, verses 3 through 10, you will see it's not just a blowing of the trumpet. They had to blow it in a particular way for it to give a particular sound for them to have a discernment on what it meant. Did you hear what I just said? It must be blown in a particular way to give a particular sound so that the congregation or the camp will understand what it meant. Amen? Amen. So the priest had to be trained in how to blow this trumpet. 
And secondly, it must make a particular sound, otherwise the camp will be confused. Now, hear what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, in verse 8. He said, if a trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? In other words, when a trumpet is blowing, and we cannot discern what it's actually saying or what sound it's making, then we are not able to respond because we do not understand what it's saying. Isaiah chapter 15 verse 1 says, Cry out and lift up your voice like a trumpet. So we understand that the trumpet blowing signifies a prophetic voice. A voice that's giving direction, that's telling us what God is saying, what God is doing, how it's moving, so we can adjust ourselves and respond to him. If a trumpet makes an uncertain sound, how shall we prepare for battle? I don't have to tell you. You can go home today and turn on CBN, TBN, World Station, TV 57, radio, internet TV, Bible TV, all kinds of means and devices that we have of blowing the trumpet of the word of God. But if you started listening at 12 noon, as Dr. McHamby has said so correctly, by 3 o'clock you'll be so confused you won't know what to do. Because these trumpets are blowing left, right, center, top, bottom, saying all kinds of various things within the same body of Christ and they're not saying the same things. So Paul is saying, if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, how can we prepare for battle? Perhaps that's the problem with the body of Christ. That's why we have one body, but different messages. Because the trumpets are blowing and it's making uncertain sounds. Some of them have said the rapture will have taken place September last year. It didn't happen. We're still here. They said it five years ago, it didn't happen. And they're selling books, they're selling tapes, they're receiving offerings left, right, center, and they just keep on making these promises, they revise it, there's no accountability, it keeps on going on. These trumpets are making uncertain sounds. And therefore, people do not know how to prepare for battle. But I believe the day is coming upon us and now is. When we will not have to listen to this man or this man or this woman. When we will have our ears trained by the power of the Spirit, that we will know what God is saying and what God wants to do. That's what John was saying, that we will not need any man to teach us because the anointing already resides in us. The issue is, unfortunately for many of us, we've been so lazy, we want others to just feed us all the time. Now, there's a place and room for instruction to be given. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trivializing that. But ultimately, we must become like the Berean Christians to search the scriptures ourselves to see if these things be so. So in Israel, according to Numbers chapter 10, the trumpets will blow. And when it blew, the people knew what it meant and they were able to respond. So now, it's a twofold responsibility. Number one, the priest must know how to blow the trumpet. Number two, the congregation must know how to design it and respond. And that's something that we need to fix. 
All of us must become wordsmiths to where when a man or a woman gets up before you and teaches, if they're in error, you say, no, I don't receive that. But if you don't understand and you lack discernment, you just take everything like it is and you just lead yourself into error. The priest must know how to blow and the congregation must know how to discern what they're hearing. So Jesus said, I have many things to say to you, but you don't have the capacity, you don't have the bandwidth to receive it, therefore I'll hold it back for a season. So however, I will send you the Holy Spirit. And when it comes, it will teach you all things. It will guide you in the truth. It will hear from me and it will give it to you. And it will show you or tell you things to come. And that's where we are right now. I believe you and I are in a tremendous place where we can begin to really walk with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are no cookie cutters for this. I can't give you 10 steps on how to work with the Holy Spirit. It's like any relationship. You have to nurture it, you have to develop it, and you have to learn and grow in it. Now, there are certain guidelines, yes, because of course the Holy Spirit will only speak the things that are already in the Word of God. He will not speak anything that contradicts the Word of God. But what I'm saying is, I cannot tell you where I wake up at 7 a.m. and go and sit in the chair and, and drink a Kool-Aid and do this. All of that stuff is nonsense. All of that stuff is nonsense. Like any other relationship, you have to develop it, nurture it, and grow in it and learn in the process. There will be times you're going to miss it. But the exciting thing about it is, as you begin to nurture the, your relationship, it's going to be so exciting, you will not settle for anything less. You will not settle for anything less. Amen? Amen. God wants to guide us. That's the only way we can find our place in the dream he has for us. In that scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, Neither has he entered the hearts of men the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Verse 10 says, but he has revealed them to us by his spirit. Yes. So these things are not hidden from us. They are hidden for us. He has revealed them by his spirit. Isn't it amazing when you read the Pauline prayers and the epistles of Paul? Please take the time to read through the Pauline epistles and look at the prayers he prayed. I'm going to look at two of them this morning. Notice the kinds of prayers Paul prayed for the church that he was going to leave behind. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 15. Ephesians 1.15 Therefore I also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints do not seem to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers. Okay Paul you're going to pray for me? Okay good. Let me, let me hear what this prayer is going to be. So what's, the, what's Paul going to be praying for me for? So now I'm driving a four sedan. Okay I need, I need I did an upgrade. SUV. Paul is that on your list? No. No, Paul is not praying for me to get an SUV. 
Okay, Paul, I'm living in your, what, a modest house now. I would not mind getting a mansion. Is that on your list? No. No. Mansion is not on his list. Can you imagine that? Has Paul missed it? I'm single, I'm looking for a husband, I'm looking for a wife. Is that on your list, Paul? No. It's not on your list. It's not on your list. Are you kidding me? I went to college, I'm finished school, now I need a great job. Paul, is that on your list? Nope. Nope. Paul, what in the world is on your list? <laughs> I mean, come on, Paul. Look at what is on his list. Verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Paul, this is the prayer you're going to pray for a church that, that you're going to leave behind. You're going to be dead in a few years and you're going to be gone. This is your legacy. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Is that all? Where's my car? Where's my new house? Where's my husband? Where's my wife? Where are my children? Where's my promotion? Where's my business person? Where is that in the, in, the, in, the, in the scope of things? Paul, just revelation in the spirit of wisdom and knowledge of him. This is boring, Paul. But Paul needs something that you and I don't know. Because in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, In whom Jesus is hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In other words, if you ever get this Jesus, it's a package deal, my friend. If you ever get Jesus and get his wisdom, which wisdom is in you already? Because the Bible tells me and you, it's been made unto us all wisdom, all righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So it's all, we are a package deal. It's just a listen. If you ever fully understand what you have in the inside of you and can ever access what you already have, it will lead you to the house. It will lead you to the car. It will lead you to the husband. It will lead you to the wife. Everything that you need will be totally added unto you. But the question is, how much time do we spend praying for wisdom and revelation knowledge of him? We don't. We come to our prayer meetings with our laundry list. We've already made our own list. Forget his plan. Forget what he wants. What he wants is not important. We have our own laundry list. And in the car, a house, a husband, a wife, three children will do God. In fact, while we are at it, two boys and a girl. <laughs> and then we're giving the list. And then, And we forget in Numbers chapter 10 or chapter 9. It was him that lifted the cloud, it was him that lifted the pillar. The Israelites didn't do that. It, they did not initiate his movement. It was him that initiated movement. In fact, 
when you understand prayer, according to Exodus 32, the ingredients of the of the anointing oil and the spices that was in the, in the in the anointing. When you understand that, you understand that praying does not begin with you; it begins with Him. We are not praying so God can see what we need. We are praying so we can see what is already provided. Huge. The initiative is all his. And that's why the sons of Korah were destroyed under the old covenant because they offered strange fire before God. In other words, Translation in today's time, they bought their own laundry list. Stream fire. Something that God did not order. They ordered it and they wanted God to pay for it. So Paul's prayer for the efficient church was that you come to see the wisdom of God and have revelation, knowledge concerning him. You know the problems with those, uh, with those disciples? You know the reason they did not really catch it when Jesus was doing all those miracles? I mean, miracle after miracle after miracle, and by the next one, they need more training. By the next one, they need more teaching. By the next, I mean, miracle after miracle after miracle. Do you know the reason they, they missed it? They could not fully connect the miracle with the miracle worker. They took the miracle for what it was, just the miracle. And they did not connect the miracle with the worker of the miracle. They knew the miracle, but they, need, they didn't know the worker. And so God is trying to get you and I to a point where we just not parrot Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But we come to that place where Jesus and us become so entwined, divine and in branches, where we become so inseparable. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. So Paul did something here. In the book of Ephesians, it was showing us the church of the Christ. Ephesians is mostly about the church. The church of Christ. Or the church of the Christ. But in Colossians, he flipped it over. He's teaching us on the Christ of the church. So the entire book of Colossians is about the preeminence of who Jesus is. So in Colossians chapter 1, look at verse 9. Here again, this apostle is going to pray for a church he's going to leave behind. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So similar to the prayer in the book of Ephesians, this apostle is praying now for these Colossian believers that they will be filled, what? With the knowledge of the will of God. Oh. Oh my goodness. Why is this important? If we have money, but don't know the will of God, you'll be a person with a lot of money that's living a life that's not fully what God ordains for you. Mm 
to, 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 to be alive and to not live and walk in his will is a disaster. So his prayer for them is that they'll be filled. Not, watch, watch this. It's not just saying, yeah, you know the will of God. That would be good. But no, that's not possible. Be filled with it. In the morning when you wake up, with the will of God. In the afternoon when you're walking around, will of God. In the midday, will of God. At night, when you're dreaming, will of God. I've said this before. And perhaps I should say this again now to help you understand what I mean by that. When I first got called in ministry and God showed me a glimpse of what the ministry looked like. In other words, when I caught a glimpse of the will of God, I called my wife and I said to her, we are buying no house in the United States. No house. Because the will of God, the call of God and the will of God for me at that time was to carry this message all over the world. Yeah. And as a result of that will of God and that call of God, it had to adjust the way I lived. You know, hearing me? I had to make an adjustment in my lifestyle at home so that I can fulfill the will of God abroad. And therefore, what I meant for us as a family was we could not have any entanglements. No permanent commitment that we cannot let go at a moment's notice. We resolve that. When the kids are coming, we sat them down and share the same thing with them. I know you're going to school. You're going to have friends at school. They're going to talk about this home, that home, da, da, da. I want you to know now, we have a call. There's a will of God upon our life. And as a result of that, we cannot be like the Joneses. Don't, don't even bring a picture of the house to me. I don't want to see it. She's here. For years. We live with purpose. Every single day, recognizing there was a greater, a, a bigger picture, a greater calling than just living and eating bread and, and, and tea in the United States. Years later, when God redefined that will and that call and released us to remain in the United States, I came back to them. Say, now this is what this 10, 15 years in the making. I said, now there's an adjustment. And therefore, we also have to make, make an adjustment. What am I saying to you? Listen, child of God, God, your, your, your salvation is free to you, but it cost him everything. It cost him everything. There's a price on your head. And that price has to do with the fact that God sent you here with a will and a purpose. Don't be caught up in what's going on around us and just enjoying the jolly good life and forgetting that you are eternity in the making. Amen. You must live today in light of eternity tomorrow. Yes, How many houses would you take to heaven? How many cars would you drive to the poly gates? How many diamonds would you use and say, Jesus, look at my diamond? Don't allow the allurements of reward in which we're living in to encroach upon your heart until you cannot live for God. Wow. 
Paul's prayer for the Colossian church was that it be filled with the will, with the knowledge of the will of God. In other words, what God, what is the reason for my creation? Why am I here? Why? The Holy Spirit wants to tell you that. He wants to show you why you are here. And not only show you, guide you into how to live a purposeful life so that at the end of the day, you can say, you know what? I'm ready to be offered up. It will be, be a sad day for us to finish our race and find out there's still more time on the clock and more work to be done that we never accomplished. That's the reason God had to wipe, sorrows, wipe, wipe tears in heaven. Some people get to heaven and say, Hey, Jesus, are you kidding me? I wasted my life. And the crime will be so severe. We will take God and say, Okay, let me, let me wipe your tears. Folks, it's not how long you live. No. No, it's not how long you live. John the Baptist was 30 years old when he died. Jesus went to the cross at 33. Martin Luther King at 36. But they changed the world. They changed their world. You go to Burma, you see Martin Luther King Boulevard in Burma. Thailand, Martin Luther King. He may have gone there, but they heard the message. They were, they were aware of the movement. What's your, what, will, what will we write on your tombstone? What will be the message on your tombstone? He bought a nice Cadillac. Is that it? Live in a 12 room mansion. Is that it? Is, 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 that, is that it? Is that the reason for which God breathed you out? When he said to Jeremiah, before you were born, I knew you. So what did God know about you before you got here? What was the assignment behind your name? When eternal heads, the Trinity met in heaven and said, we're going to send him. We're going to send her. What, what did they purpose concerning you? And since we're here now, have we changed that agenda? And said, God, you know what? Your agenda? Your eternal agenda. Okay. Let me, let me enjoy life for us a little bit. I remember years ago, we were in Port Harcourt. Me and Pastor Bakari were preaching in a place in Port Harcourt, Nigeria. We finished the message, and the pastor came to us in the back room. He said, Pastors, I hear what you guys are saying. You guys are speaking the truth. But I'm a young pastor. Let me enjoy my life first. <laughs> if I mention the guy's name, the guy that said this, if I mention his name today, <laughs> big, very, very big. He said, when, when I have, and he, he listed the things, when I have this many cars, and this, then I, I change my message. He said it to our ears. He said, this is the truth, but just give me a few years. Let me amass my fame, amass my wealth, and then maybe I'll change my message. That's what he said. And amazingly, God in his goodness and mercy, 
the guy is yet alive. I'm saying to myself, if I was God, I'll probably kill him down there. <laughs> but God is not like that. He's a great God. Amen? Amen. Now, just, just, just to show you that Paul, when he, when he said that, let me, one more scripture, then we close. One more scripture. Colossians chapter 4. This is the amazing thing about this guy. Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, if I can find it, <laughs> verse, verse 2, verse 2. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that the word of God will open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. Unbelievable. I don't know if you saw what I just read. Yes, sir. Context. Paul was in prison. And he sent a message to the saints. Be earnest or diligent in praying. Then he says, pray also for us. Okay, so Paul, you are in jail. What, what's your prayer point? What's your prayer point, Paul? You are in jail. I know where you are, you are in jail. What's your prayer point? It should be very simple. Get out of jail. His prayer should be given our sentiment and mindset today. His prayer should be only one point. Get me out of here. Is that what he prayed? No. 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 Meanwhile, pray for us. That, give it to me in the NLT. New Living Translation. This is clear, but let it, let's get it clearer. Thank you. Pray for us that God will give us many opportunities. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. To speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. Is that your prayer right now? Paul was in prison. But remember what he prayed in Colossians chapter 1? His prayer of Colossians chapter 1 is that I'll be filled with the knowledge of his will. God, let me know your will for my life. Let me know what I should be doing from moment for money. Let me know, God, what your plan for me is. He got in jail? Did that, did that change his, his, his situation? No. Even in jail, he did not change his agenda for the will of God concerning his life. For me and you, it will be God open the prison doors. Paul said, pray for opportunities to share the gospel. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. God help us to set our minds above where Jesus sits at the right hand of the throne of the Father. Help us to set our affection on things on the earth and on, on things on heaven and on things on the earth. Help us, God. We need help. For this guy, it was not a religion. 
It was a relationship, a way of living. Why in jail? He did not ask for prayer point to be released. It's a prayer that God will give us opportunities to share Christ. Folks, you and I are not in jail. You are living as a free person in your home. You go to job, your work as a free person every day. We must understand we're not there to collect a paycheck. God is able to send checks to you without going to work. So he has you there so that you can discharge the purpose of his will concerning your life. We should be praying for opportunities on that job. God, give me the opportunity to show your love, share your love, touch someone with your love every day. Every day. Sunday morning services should be testimony services. I'm just waiting on you guys before we change it. I'm serious. Sunday morning should be coming together and say, ah, let me tell you what happened on my work this week. Let me tell you what God did. Let me go tell you how God healed this blind. Let me tell you how God healed this person. Let me tell you how the relationship. That's what should be happening on Sunday morning. We should all come together, share testimonies, give God glory for what he has done, and go back and do it again. And again. And again. And again. And again. Yeah. That's what should be happening. But that will not happen until we get filled with the knowledge of his will. The Holy Spirit wants to fill us with the knowledge of his will. So that you and I can go out and live it out. Can live it out. Can live it out. There's no little Holy Spirit or big Holy Spirit. We all have the same Holy Spirit. He wants to reveal himself and he wants to definitely testify of who Jesus is. Can you stand to your feet? Hallelujah. If there's anybody here, 